It's April 7th, 2018, and any reference to Long Long Man will be deleted from this podcast. I'm Six Detmar. And I'm... Long Long Man! That's so, weird. Nick didn't so, say his name that time. So at this oh, well, point... <laughs> just long enough silence. I'm huh. rolling the dice. I don't know how to proceed, because I know, I know Six once... Once this intro, he asked me when I played. I played what's currently silence for you. No, that would be really hard for me to edit that out. Actually, when you're playing it while you're talking, that's really hard. The thing is, I think I've sent you the audio before, so you could actually download it. And if you just subtract it from that total Mm, audio, it might not sound too weird. Because I wasn't at the long, like kind of frequency range. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, I think this ends up. I was gonna not mention on the podcast. It's my meme of the week, actually. Uh, that's that's uh, what this I selected as meme no, of the this week. This can't be a segment. <laughs> it's not. You know it's what? Absolutely you know what, not. Nick? You know what, Nick? Hang what? up. Just give me one second here. Okay. Folks, sometimes I have a tendency to run this like this is just my podcast, and this is both of our podcasts. And sometimes I need to be a little giving, so I'm gonna let Nick say his piece <laughs> and be supportive for that part, and then oh, I'll turn. Oh, on him. oh is he? Is he now? That's great. Nick, tell me about Long Long Man, <laughs> Sakeru. This Stats is smart. Bruno. Six knows how to. Play. He's, he should be some sort of politician. He knows how to play this. He's gonna give me this one as if there was any way in which he could stop Long Long Man. And what he's hoping is that I'll be satisfied with this, and so I won't bring up some other ridiculously stupid thing later. We'll see. We'll see if that comes to pass. So Long Long Man. On Reddit, just the general Reddit even, normally we're just like, I think, oh, and I'm Nick Cease. Whoops. Yeah, that's why I was saying earlier that you didn't mention your name. Yeah. I had a good intro plan too. Everything was derailed when you asked me what the Long Long Man sound clip was. I didn't ask you that. You said you have to explain that to me, I believe. Right. I didn't want you to. I know. I didn't want to either because even I had the self-restraint to say, this is like a funny, you know, funny meme thing I saw on the internet. I'm not going to bring it on the podcast because I'd have to explain it. And Mm. then you just, you stirred the pot just enough. It was so close to the edge. You didn't even have to shake the boat. Just like breathe on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a post about and it was i think a link to a youtube video which was a compilation of advertisements in J- japanese tv advertisements for sakeru gummy which is some sort of gum candy thing uh it looks like it's like a bunch of it's like i guess uh red vines basically put together but it's more gummy and they're shorter and they have different flavors and stuff Mm-hmm. But this was a commercial, and it was like a six or seven minute long video of these thirty second ad spots, and they formed a an overarching narrative. It's a it's a very funny structure they have. It's this guy, uh, I don't know, his, his name is important, and there's this girl Chi Chan, and that's like they're supposed to be dating, and so they'll be doing something. They'll be in some sort of situation, and then the the guy will be trying to feed his girlfriend a, a piece of this gummy and it's a cute moment and then the girl sees long long man because he has the long sakeru gummy and it's it's basically just a very long version of this candy and so it's you know it's got these great jokes in there mhm 
and so that got stuck in my head. It was, I was like, oh, this is funny. So I actually watched the whole thing somehow. And guess what? Reddit is actually used by other people. Sir Action Slacks somehow saw this. And so he was making jokes about it. And then I also follow Bruno of Valve, Statsman Bruno on Twitter. And he tweeted about it. And he made up his own meme using a Dota 2 thing because he showed, you know, a level one earth spike from Lion. He showed the AOE. And in the, like, profile portrait picture, he put the picture of the boyfriend. And then he put in a picture of a level 25 lion who took the plus 1,000 earth spike range talent, which I didn't even know existed because when do you get to level 25 on a lion? And then it's the picture of, of long, long man instead of the portrait of lion. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's Dota 2 related. That's and that's why, why, it's why funny, too. we talk about yeah. Dota 2 on a podcast. That's comedy. That's, that's how just, it works. That's you just comedy. Actually, you've actually explained that a person took a picture and put a face over it, and that's mm-hmm. funny right there. I just, I, I'm sure lots of you are laughing at just that sentence I just said. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, if not, I could just slip in one more. Long, long and I'm sure the more I play it, the funnier it gets. Pretty much. I just, oh, 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 I can barely If you need to take myself. a moment to, you know, fan your, clutch your pearls, fan yourself. If you're having, you know, you need to swoon a little, we can take a swooning break. I wonder if any other podcast has a swooning break. Probably not. I, mm, I think this would, that would be a first yeah. for podcast kind. That's just innovation. There might be a swanning break on some kind of Birdwatch podcast. You know, I don't know. What's the first result if I type in bird watch podcast it would be the american birding podcast at blog.aba.org hmm. that's great they just I released an episode em. three days ago tales of urban birding with jen brumfield hmm. so nick sometimes i i do you, okay i'm gonna ask you some questions oh, oh okay do you think it's fair for someone to say that they hate something when they occasionally like instances of it like, but like, they're like, oh, on the whole, I hate this thing. Is that fair? I mean, sure. Hate, it, me. hate and love are the most, uh, some of the most overworded words in English. No, mm-hmm. I yeah. hate how overloaded they are. Is an example. But it's it's fair to say that someone can be like, there are a few instances of this that I enjoy, but overall, I hate this thing. Sure. Okay. Okay. Nick, I hate memes. <laughs> no, here we go. And meme corner. We can't have a meme of the week. We can't have a meme corner. We can't Six, when have was the last time meme. we did an Ags of the Week or a Lore of the Week or a Fan Fiction of the Week? God forbid anyone remember that. Well, Fan it Fiction of the Week was Emily's weekly. thing. Yeah. No, but like, here's what I'm trying to say. I never want a meme corner on this show <laughs> ever again. I hate to break it to you, but that's been that's been every show. I think that our most consistent segment would probably have been Meme of the Week. I bet if somebody went back through all of our episodes, at least the ones I've been on, I think our most, I think our most, of the week. I think it's probably pro-drama, if we're being serious. I think pro-drama most is likely. our most consistent segment. That is. That is mostly true. I mean, like, so, like, Ags of the Week was never intended to be an every week thing, and Lore of the Week, I guess, kind of was, and then I fell down on the job. Um, and Fan Fiction Corner is is Emily's thing and we're not doing it with Emily's not here. That's disrespectful. <laughs> no. Um I don't know, like I don't like memes. They're annoying. 
I know. I just Are like got, I just got exiled from the Dota community, but they're just obnoxious. I mean, you can have your stance. That's that's cool, man. But I mean, was that a meme? That's, Did you just meme? I'm sure everything is a meme. As my mother says to my 17 year old brother, a meme is just a words with pictures on it. I don't know why I use that voice for her, but I mean, anything mm. can be a meme. That's the the problem and the beauty. You just get, you don't, like, you don't want to, for instance, come on and for the first, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes of a podcast, talk about a meme. Because then it's, unless it's like a meme deconstruction podcast, that could be, you know, interesting. Probably not. Depends. I mean, I feel like I'm being deconstructed. I feel like I'm kind <laughs> so, of collapsing at this a, a pile of goo. <laughs> no, that's just Reddit. That's just Reddit working on you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No, don't worry. It's not gonna. Be, it's it's meme of the week. Memeing, memeing. Oh Jesus, I I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. <sighs> that one I have to I have to apologize for. I, am I might have to resign. For the apology, <laughs> meaning that it won't happen every week because we call it a, a blank of the week segment. I guess that's true. I mean, Jackie's Chow. It's not food of the week. That's we like Dota's thing, and they don't they don't do it anymore either. Every week. They never did it every week. Mm, okay, okay. Nick, whose birthday is it? It's Ame's birthday, the carry player of LGD Gaming. Chunyu Happy Wong. birthday, Ame. You know Turns what? 21. Got a pretty, pretty good birthday week, I would say. It is, yeah. I mean, second place, spoiler alert for Dak, but hey, second place, you, still, you got a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. He turns 21. Uh, I'm sure he can already drink in China, but hey. I will say, though, um, I got to see some, you know, people were talking a little bit about like, so, hey, like LGD got second. That's pretty good. What what is what does the Chinese Dota community think about that? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I. I hmm. So, OK, I should back up uh, a couple of steps. First off, so DAC happened and we'll talk a little more about the results. But the thing that's relevant to us right now is that LGD got second in that tournament. Mm-hmm. which is a very good result and put them pretty high up in the DPC rankings. Um, now, a part of this is that I, I, the other part I want to back up is I don't know how much I can judge other cultures, even other subcultures like the Chinese Dota 2 community, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how how productive is it? How meaningful is it for an American Dota 2 player to say our Dota community is better, right? <laughs> And I don't, so the few examples I've seen pop out of Chinese Dota memes and in-jokes seem really good. And that could just be the cream (laughs) rising to the top, but they seem like really like, like there are layers to them. They're smart. They're not just someone making a commercial into (laughs) fucking nothing. Um, Excuse me. But also... They're really mean to their pros. They're like really mean to their pros. That's and what it seems like based on what. Right, right. This is all like. Yeah. This is just the pits, the butts, the, 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 butts? the parts, the parts that are bubbling up to us over here on in the West. And I'm sure that they bias one way or another. But like the people who are part of that community say like, yeah, no, this is how people tend to be. Um. And, like, LGD got second, and they haven't been, like, this is the best they've done in a major this season. Mm-hmm. I think so. And, like, 
it seems like what the what the Chinese Dota 2 community has to say about that is why didn't you get first first or nothing fuck off and it's like yeah I don't don't know this is you know it would have been useful if I've decided to start learning Chinese instead of some more Japanese in school Mm -hmm. here but I, I I yeah I don't think we can make any sort of overarching statement about their community I just have to like, mm -hmm. I mean, we are basically, you know, Borg with Reddit Dota 2, which is all English. We'd have to like live in, I don't know if there's a version on like Weibo, the Chinese Twitter uh, for like Dota 2 or something. I feel like to talk about the community, you can't. You can't just take excerpts. You have to take the whole picture. And I mean, one person will tell you that, oh, our Dota community is X, our Dota community is Y. And it's like that may be their view of the community. And like we we talk about our, our own view of the Dota 2 community. or just the general Dota 2 community. Yeah. But it's different for every person. That's like that's, the basis that's of everything. There's a few common threads certainly. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know oh, how thank, you'd make Thank you for checking sort of me. That's, that's, that's healthy. You should check me like that. I appreciate yeah, that. No, but we have – you know, we've seen like a bunch of stuff on Reddit from some bilingual people talking about like, hey, this is what Chinese people were saying about – stuff that went on during DAC. I don't know. I will we'll have another topic for later that I may have forgotten to put on the notes. Um, but like, so this is, this is, I, I follow a fighting game player on Twitter. I follow one fighting game player. <laughs> his name is Vineeth Mecca. He goes by the name Apology Man. That's his screen name, right? <laughs> and um, I feel like the dynamic I have with him, and this is just like as a fan, not like me personally. I don't like fucking. He doesn't know who the fuck I am. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like the the dynamic I have with him, and I feel like a lot of fans of esports or competitive gaming or even regular sports have with the person or teams or whatever that they admire, is this dynamic of like. The, the competitor is really hard on themselves and is, is doing the, the thing that this, you know, Chinese Dota community posted, right? Which is like, mm-hmm. first is the only thing that's good enough. I don't give a shit <laughs> if I got second, right? Yeah. And it's kind of the fan's role to be like, no, you did good and we're really proud of you. And like, the player doesn't, the player just takes that and can do what they want with that. But it's like the, the player is hard on themselves because they need to hold themselves to a higher standard because that's how they improve. And the fans are there to sort of balance it out and be like, but listen, you did real good. Hmm. And I just feel if, if the Chinese teams are being like, okay, we got second. That's not first. How did we fuck this up? And then their community is like, yeah, how did you fuck this up? You fucking failures. <laughs> that really sucks. I, mean, I think that's just every, I, again, I don't follow the fighting game community at all basically whatever comes to me from you whatever you're talking about on slack with other people's like what i see whatever you mentioned here or whatever you put into random quizzes on whether it's a fighting game player or a uh, dota 2 team but i think that's just like every every public personality has all of those sides and i think it, it's hard to make any sort of objective statement on it hmm. because there's always going to be people who are like super negative on some people are going to be super supportive. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I I'm wonder, sure you as like someone who's in the scene, like gets more of a sense of stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard. Like, I feel like it's weirder when you're a specifically of a fan of a thing 
Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there there are certainly fans, people who are specifically fans of the Yankees and do nothing but talk shit about the Yankees. Like, <laughs> sure, that's a thing. But, like, I feel like in general, my understanding of the Western idea of someone who's a fan of something is therefore you are supportive of them. Hmm. And I, I just find I mean, it I would agree, weird. but... But there's a lot of people who you would not call fans then, right? Like, sure. I was browsing Eternal Envy's Twitter a lot this week for reasons. And I mean, there's a bunch of shit in his replies, just like yeah. flaming the hell out of him on a random post about homemade ice cream. Mm-hmm. I think that's that I would find that in anybody's Twitter ever. I'm uh, sure if we so talked to an actual person with lots of followers on Twitter, you'd get a lot of that. So you wouldn't think sides. so you think that maybe the person who wrote this post about LGD is maybe just not a fan? Are they, they're surrounded with more people who weren't fans or just they've seen that certain dark side of the community or something. Because hmm. I think we definitely have those kind of people in like English speaking Dota 2 communities. No doubt. Sure. But like, yeah, but I would never like when I see people being like, like when I see people watching Eternal Envy stream and like he misses a last hit and they're like, <laughs> LOL, like LOLCS, like they're not fans. They're dickheads who enjoy mocking him. I think I think they're like when he makes a big misplay when he when he's playing a major on Ember Spirit and he cliffs himself. Like, listen, <laughs> even if you're a fan, you gotta have a moment of being like, "What the of fuck course. is he doing?" But well, like, that's just envy. right, right. You gotta laugh at some of that shit. But when it's like basic mis basic things that aren't even necessarily misplays, it's like, okay, that wasn't perfectly optimal. But everyone makes mistakes like this all the time, and you're shit talking for that. I don't think you're probably a fan. And maybe, maybe I talk to you and maybe I'm wrong, and this is your weird way of showing love. But when I see that, <laughs> I see someone who just enjoys watching Eternal Envy fail. And, like, listen, I, I think if you're, that's where you're, you're going at, too deep on, I, on the side. I think there's people who are just like, ah, just, you know, on this certain time with this certain person in this certain situation, they're, you know, like, going to be a shithead and be like, lol, CS. That's like, you know, you're, you're playing basketball or something, you miss a shot, and there's like a kid on the sidelines who's like, oh, nice shot, man. It's just like, okay. It doesn't necessarily mean they like or don't like you. It just means they're kind of, like, immature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, like, you know, young or immature fans of people. It do- yeah. Just because you're a fan doesn't mean, like, it's a good thing necessarily. Sure, that's fair. And I think especially with non-English communities, it's just hard. Because we, we see, like, three posts about it on Reddit, and that's that's an incredible amount of content coming out that actually penetrates the language barrier for us. Yeah, it's I'm I'm in a weird place with fandom right now, I guess, cuz it's like right now I don't really have a Dota team that I'm a fan of. Yeah. Um I have individual players, but I don't have a strong feeling, but outside of that, like uh my you know, I I mentioned Apology Man, the fighting game player. He's having a lot of like pretty impressive results, but also seeing the limits like butting up against in a in a Dota metaphor, he's he's like a really good tier 2 player, right? Mm-hmm. And he's butting up against coming into tier one. And sometimes that's really painful, but also really fascinating to watch. Or like in proper sports, I'm an Angels fan. This season, we got a new rookie named Shohei Otani from Japan. Uh, he's a pitcher who also bats, which is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And in his first three at, his first three games batting, he has hit a home run every single game. <laughs> wow. He's on fucking fire. And it's really exciting. Um, and he also throws like 
pitches he throws like 98 mile an hour fastballs he's incredible <laughs> um but it's like i'm in this weird position where it's weird for me to uh, it's hard for me to understand people who are negative about their fandom because it's mm-hmm. like i have on the one hand my team that has been crap for a while that looks like they might actually have a real shot this year and i'm seeing them do great and that's really exciting so i'm happy for them mm-hmm. and on the other hand i have the player i've been following for a while who's having a hard time and like on the verge of getting big, but also really suffering for it. And it just makes me sympathetic, you know? Yeah. So it makes it hard for me to see the view of people who are like watching someone suffer and laughing at them. Yeah. It's more like, yeah. I don't know. Being a fan. What the hell does a, being a fan even mean? Yeah. I have m- less idea now that we've talked for a few minutes about it. Yeah, that's fair. People pay attention to some stuff and then people respond to that stuff sometimes. And sometimes people pay attention and respond to more things than other things. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention real quick, since I brought up uh, Apology Man um, and fighting games, there is a little bit of overlap with Dota. Really? We all know Beyond the Summit. Ah, uh, yes. Organizers of, of a lot of good Dota tournaments. Well, they're actually organizing a fighting game tournament. They're organizing a uh, a tournament called Pow- the uh, Power of Summit, or Summit of Power. No, they wrote it backwards in this post for some reason. It's the Summit of Power, um, and they're like inviting eight like powerful and well known pro players. And I think Apology Man's going to be one of them, judging by their little teasers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, oh, they're they're expanding into other esports. That's exciting. Good yeah, for them. I think we, I think they released a statement something that they're. Yeah. This is their goal. They're looking to diversify and grow. So mm-hmm. good for them. Is this a common thing in like fighting game? Can we, the general scene to have like invitational tournaments type stuff? No, this is really like there are occasionally invitationals, but this is a really different dynamic than I'm used to seeing. And it also seems like they're not inviting necessarily like so they're, they're inviting um, they're pretty... Navi. They're not inviting like VP. Well, it's, it's specifically like they're looking at their invitations, like their preview image, right? Like, it's the silhouette of various characters from Dragon Ball, but, like, instead of actually being that person, it's the player who plays that team, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's Vegeta, but it's actually the face is the, a famous good Vegeta player, right? Yeah. And it's a really interesting way of doing invites, because either you do, like, qualifiers and people qualify for a tournament, or you're like, let's get a big representative from each region. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they're doing is they're getting representatives of different play styles. They're just trying to create a a entertaining tournament. Yeah, it's like what they do with yeah. Dota. You know, they have all the all the players in a house. It's not going to mm-hmm. be the most competitive, integrity filled thing. It's just cool to watch. Yeah, so I'm going to make you watch that with me. It's going to be great. Great, sure. Have you watched never, Dragon Ball? Never watched any. I know you've been talking about this new Dragon Ball game for a while. It's it's good. It's good. I actually hear my like. IRL friends who are not anime people talk about they they love watching uh what was it the latest one Dragon Ball Super Dragon Ball Fighter Z Dragon Ball yeah the, or are you talking about the latest the, or are you talking about the show oh yeah, Dragon Ball show. Super yeah Dragon Ball Super yeah. they're like talking about that so it's apparently a popular thing <laughs> Dragon Ball it's apparently a popular thing yeah, yeah, that's, yeah thanks, I know Nick. a hot take that's <laughs> your hot take of the week fresh out of the nineties <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Hmm. So, moving on. Actually, we should actually talk about DAC, since we touched on it real quick. Sure. Let's go right into that. So, Mineski wins 
They won mm-hmm. three two, so it was a full best of five five games. Apparently, these were really good games. I don't. I didn't get to watch any. <laughs> I've seen some clips. I'm. I actually. I'm hoping tomorrow to go back and watch some archive games because I saw mm-hmm. some clips of like. There's this. <clears throat> so first comment. Uh, yeah. Oh, you have this on the notes. Kyle is killing it. You know. Uh, God, what swindle are melons? Swindle. Yes, swindle. Um, Swindles. He's on commentary now, and he's just killing it. He's got this great, like, you know, he's a former pro captain. Maybe he'll be a pro captain again. We'll see. But, like, he he used to play, you know, draft and do in-game shot calling at the highest level. So he's got really good understanding of what people are thinking and doing. But he's also just, he's got an unreal level of passion. I would say it kind of, ta- it feels more, it's like the level of, of, pa- of passion that Toby sometimes brings, but it feels more sincere. Hmm. Is he doing casting or just uh-huh. analyst? Yeah. Oh, no, he's doing oh. casting. Okay. I, I could, I could, hmm. He's, he's doing a great job and it's really exciting just to see like that passion. Like there was a play that happened, um, in the last game of LGD versus, uh, VP to see who would go to grand finals. Mm-hmm. And it's just this incredible play where they've got, like, they've got a catapult mind controlled in Roche <laughs> that they left there and they dark rift to it and pop out and, like, completely catch VP on a, yeah, on a I watched this unexpected. clip. It was a, another great, you know, Pit Lord Uber clip brought to you by uh-huh. Chinese Dog. And it's just like, I, I've seen a few other clips. They're just, they're playing so hard and it's really good to watch. It's really, it's really exciting. Yeah, I saw Kyle. I mean, this is, I guess, his second event. Wasn't he previously at some other event as an analyst, too? Yeah, I think Can't he remember. was at, yeah, like I think he was at some stuff before, but I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. He seems like he's, I don't know, maybe fleshed out or just kind of chilled more recently. I don't know. He's mm. not an- annoying these days because in the, the more distant past, he's been on other stuff, right? He's not mm-hmm. just been a pro player. He's also been like on in front of the cameras more than... You know, most other pro players. Well, part of it is I feel like a lot of the times when we've seen him in tournaments, it's like he's fresh out of either being eliminated from that tournament yeah. or like not qualifying for it. And there That's feels right. like there's an element of salt to it. He like tries to bring the, the salty jokes to it. And then everyone, mm-hmm. you know, it's the salty half jokes where he's like, ah, and these, you know, fuckers who eliminated us, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Maybe that I didn't think about that because he's now officially out of coal. So he's he's got a different face. Yeah, because there is like a moment, like one one of the one of the big like clips that people are passing around, is like it's after a, after a game, uh, where like I forget what Chinese team was playing against EG, and it's like it was an outdraft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Kyle is just getting really heated about how this team like didn't ban. Uh, what hero was it? Do you rec- do you recall? I don't know what clip you're talking about. Right, okay, well, there's this, mind. basically, he's like, they didn't ban this, uh, it, was, it was Ancient Apparition. It's like, they didn't ban Ancient mm. Apparition, they know that EG, and especially, and like, all of NA Dota loves Ancient Apparition, has a really high win rate with Ancient Apparition, they saw the draft, <laughs> they saw the synergy, they didn't ban it, they don't deserve to be in this tournament anymore. <laughs> and like, that's the kind of statement that, like, I feel like if old, like, if Kyle had made, like, at previous tournaments, you'd be like, oh, he's salty because, like, you know, like, how dare they get in over me. I but, knew like, this, but they didn't, I deserve to be there. But, like, the way he delivered it here was just, like, a person who's passionate about Dota and knows a lot about it being upset at bad play. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, it really worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Good 
good for him. Yeah. That's part of what I mean about the hype. Like, Toby, like, Toby and even, like, uh, Odie Pixel. Like, there's this style of hype man where it's like they're shouting at the top of their lungs about the play that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not how Kyle gets heated. Kyle gets heated being like, what a smart move. Like, what a, like, like, oh, I see their strategy. That was genius. Not like, oh my God, that was so exciting. Just like the really respecting the mind in a way that like, it feels like his, his excitement is so, it courses through his entire body. It's really, it's really special. <laughs> he ha- he has to, it's, a, you know, a process thing. He processes what just happens. Like, holy shit, actually, look what just happened. It, mm-hmm. I mean, in any good casting duo, you have the hype man and you have the purge. You have mm-hmm. one person who, you know, you just, Jesus, take the wheel style. If something cool happens, you just shut the hell up and, you know, you let Toby scream. That, cause yeah. that's great and that's what he does. And it's very easy to be bad at that kind of screaming type of uh, casting because it can mm-hmm. be very annoying if you get it wrong. Yeah. And then you have a player who's like sitting back, maybe, you know, he's actually looking at things more and then being like, holy shit, do you actually see what just happened? And they perform the, the like live analysis part, the, the strategy, mm-hmm. the, the play on a, a larger scale. Yeah. Um, so, you know, here, this is the first time that a C team has won a major, which is it's pretty yeah, exciting. Big deal for them. Uh, TNC actually did pretty well. They got fourth, um, mm-hmm. which is, is good for them. I hope That's they like can the edge most- their way. Yeah, the most yeah. points they've had. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it's depressing what a big jump it is for their points for them to get fourth. It's like, oh geez, you guys. Yeah. Um Liquid though, they finished uh, fifth fifth and sixth. There was no you know tiebreaker. So that means that their thirteen tournaments straight top four streak was broken. Mm-hmm. So big deal. Yeah. That's that's brutal. Um Mineski, by the way, with this win, jumped from like ninth place to fourth <laughs> yeah uh, it it just goes to show because vp they got uh third place right yeah they got yeah. third place which means they got 675 points i think it there's there's some weirdness going on with liquidpedia that i need to figure out but so they got 675 points but mineski gets 2250 and like mm-hmm. lge gets 1350 it just goes to show that if vp are not for the rest of the events that are played. If VP are not the ones who hog the points, the the current results matter very, very little, at least on the lower end of the top eight, for who mm-hmm. will actually get the invite. So it's going to be, you know, a race to the finish. Mm-hmm. Like, especially, like, v, VP especially, but also with Liquid and Secret being so consistently dominant, it means that the rest of the rankings are actually super unstable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were given the rankings before, and then, like, I had to keep going from, like, not just finishing talking at the 8th place, but mention, like, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. There's, like, no, 200 points maybe between there now. And, mm. I mean, even still, there's there's so much room for jumping about. Fnatic have 900, but they could still actually secure a qualifying spot because they've had some good runs recently. I mean, like, right now, literally any team that won a major <laughs> would be in the top five. Yep instantly that's ridiculous that's incredible um and really exciting i it really it really makes this whole scene much more exciting to watch when it doesn't when it feels like everything could change based on who's who's really showing up to play yeah there's no like there's not eight dominant teams and then it gets kind of boring because you're like oh well this this doesn't really matter on the larger scale but it both has the 
you know, the scenario, the dynamic of an individual event, but then you still have the drama of the overall DPC points, mm-hmm. which is nice. And then based on the, the events that we know are coming up and some of the actual, the like teams that are going to participate, we know like EG, they're in ninth place now, so they don't have an invite and they're not going to some of the more, the, the, some of the majors, they're not going to have chances at some higher points. So they're in more dire straits than some other teams who have the same number of points, stuff like that. It's cool to look mm-hmm. at. So the dire advantage in this tournament, or not the dire, the radiant, <laughs> excuse me, the radiant advantage in this tournament, radiant had a 59.3% win rate. That's really high. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like it's been actually a lot of patches since we got changes to Dire versus Radiant on the map. Yeah, the the terrain difference. I mean, that's that's a uh, people have been talking. People have spent lots more time talking about the the Dire or the Radiant advantage when it was like fifty four percent, and yeah. now we have this basically sixty forty split Radiant and Dire. And there was a lot of games played. This isn't like a very small sample size, right? Yeah, I feel like I feel like fifty four percent. Like, so part of the part of the radiant advantage is, and as, unless they make some big changes, always will just be camera, right? I, I guess, yeah. But how? Like, I feel like that's maybe two percent. I think I was seeing some discussion on Reddit about it. I think one of the biggest thing is the terrain to get up to the radiant shrine on the bottom. Like, that is really hard. You have to go up two levels of high ground. You basically have to have a ward to invade from there. Whereas yeah. if you're just trying to walk up to the Dire Shrine, like, you could have high ground on them. Because you get that little ring of high ground along the lane, and then there's the depression in the middle of the jungle. Mm-hmm. I feel like they need to do some sort of terrain tweaking. Yeah, that's fair. That's People fair. talked about, like, Roche. Maybe they need to do something with that. But it just feels... I Again, I think that having a non-symmetrical map is great. I really like that about Dota, but I think it might be time for some changes. Yeah. Or at least, I, you know, I think, keep a look at yeah. it. Yeah, I think I think you could even, like, I, I'm not saying we should push it towards it being symmetrical. I just, like, yeah. reconsider what the advantages to each side are, because right now it feels like Dire doesn't really have an advantage at all. Like, yeah. obviously, overall, Radiant has the advantage, but, like, even if you're like, okay, what are the pros of Radiant? It's like, well, okay jungles you know jungles more safe for them to fight in and they've got the camera thing which like people can dismiss but that really does matter um and what else would you say is a radiant advantage we're gonna out ourselves as terrible map <laughs> analysts there's there's some stuff with the way roche is positioned sometimes but that's kind of situational mm-hmm. i think it really could just be the jungle setup it's just too safe for radiant sometimes yeah yeah there's all sorts of other ways they could change it too, besides just that you know that one shrine situation I talked about. But yeah, sure. No, there, there are try something out. You, change. I, you know what? I'll say dire advantage. Dire tier one safe is easier to protect than radiant tier one safe. Radiant tier one safe is sure. the most dangerous tower in the game <laughs> to try and yes. defend. Yeah, it's just suicide. There's also the finishing up our stats. 22 heroes were unpicked in DAC, mm-hmm. and I think 19 of those were unbanned as well. That's that's high for Dota, for modern Dota. Yeah. Out of like 120-something heroes. 
Yeah, I wonder, like, okay, so, looking at this list, right, some of them surprise me, some of them don't. Mm-hmm. I am kind of surprised by Darkseer being one of the unpicked, kind of not. Yeah. Because Darkseer is kind of surprising in that, like, he's he's one of those people that I feel like people, like, pick when they're like, we don't know how to get our offlaner farm. We'll pick Darkseer. He'll always get farm, <laughs> right? But also, he just got nerfs when I already felt like he wasn't in a very good place. And then, like, on that podcast, on that cast, we were like, but I'm sure the pros will prove us wrong. Maybe they agree this time. Well, honestly, the patch was right in the middle of the deck. It's true. So, I don't know. Um, and I'll give it a while. Windranger's on there. <laughs> um, which, like... Is that really is surprising, it... though? No, but it's like, I don't, like... I, I don't think know it's how like many... Dark Seer yeah. situation. It's an identity crisis thing right now. Still, yeah, it's like her old yeah. problem. I mean, someone made the observation that like most of the heroes that were un- that were weren't picked that were ignored were heroes that didn't that don't have a very good laning presence, right? Don't have a good laning presence or roaming because the laning stage seems to be such a big deal in terms of actual like farm safety. Not in terms of like, oh, can we win this lane? Because what might happen is that you'll, their enemy will just go 1-1-1, one, 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 and then they'll have two roamers. And so mm-hmm. you have to like be able to roam or be able to like super secure your lane, but that means that you'll just be handing lanes to other people on their team. Mm-hmm. It seems like, I don't know, roaming has maybe gotten out of hand a little or maybe just needs a little bit of tweak but with the mechanic changes to the bounty runes especially i've heard people talk about where you don't get any xp from them it's like an issue sometimes Hmm. i mean i don't like static lanes and i don't like nobody laning (laughs) but the fact that early kills just they're not maybe maybe not just that but early kills they don't they don't matter almost at all However, missing CS or just even missing the XP from standing around a creep wave, that's so huge early. I feel that a lot as like a a carrier or a mid player. Like I'd Mm -hmm. be like, I I don't care if I die here because it's early on in the game and I see where their wave is. So I'll just TP back to my tier one full HP. Great. I didn't have to waste a TP to go home. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. That's true. And I I don't know. I think it might be some of this stuff, especially like Darkseer. The 25% XP deny is just, it hurts a lot, man, where the the enemy team only gets 25% of the XP of a creep that's denied. Man, that's just, that's just nothing. I get bodied out in so many pubs if I go offlane. I mean, I'm also almost the worst offlane, so this definitely has something to do with it. But if you get trialing against as a solo offlaner, or even if you go duo, I don't know if you can do anything about it. But if you're a duo, you can't do anything about it, or you're just solo, man, if they know how to last hit and deny, you just, it feels like you can't do anything against certain matchups. Mm-hmm. And draft is so super important in that. You have to make sure that you're not just going to give them a free lane, even though you're sitting in it. Yeah, I've really felt like I've I've had a couple of, well, the last month or so, I've had a weird number of games where I was forced to play offlane. Mm-hmm. 
it's not a thing that used to happen to me at all. I used to be able to get away with like, okay, I'm I'm gonna play a support. There's gonna be one support slot I can take, but I'm getting people who are like forcefully prying me out of the position five, which is weird for me. Yeah. Um, and so I'm playing more offlane than I uh, intend to or frankly want to. Um, and it's interesting how much of like I have the best results with Tidehunter, who can kind of force people to not deny stuff. You can walk up and do like anchor smash to fuck with their last hits. Or and you like, can actually you know, sit in lane more than other people. Uh-huh. But, like, with, like, I used to do, like, an Enchantress offlane or, or, like, a Windranger offlane. It's like, they just get fuck all these days. Yeah. They cannot lane. <laughs> yeah. It's it's affected how I play as carry, too, because I am so good at uh, denies compared to my level, uh, my, like, skill level, according to Dota Plus. I always have, like, double or triple the amount of denies early. Mm-hmm. It's if like their offlane can't contest, or even if their offlane is contesting, I'm so much better than my skill level apparently at actually getting in there and getting the die before they get the last hit. And I can feel that like making me so much stronger, and I can see how weak they are. And it it makes me feel good when I play carry, and I see like oh at this point in the game, people normally have 15 denies, and I see I have like 25 denies. Mm-hmm. It feels great. Yeah, I wonder if that should be reverted. I don't know. Or just, I don't know, give it, give them a little bit more than 25%. I don't know. It it feels like you, like... It I feels am... like there's no downside to a tri lane. That's my my beef. My beef is I feel like offlaners, like, I don't know. This is maybe just a, a beef with the way Dota meta has, shake, sh- has shaken out over the course of Dota 2. But, like, laning as an offlaner is just, like... Unless you're playing one of the really tanky, like, really aggressive motherfuckers, it's just sort of like, okay, like, here's a fork, eat shit for 20 minutes, and then <laughs> yeah. you can play. It's such a gamble. It's like, either you go hyper aggro, you pick an axe, you pick a tusk, or my favorite pairing that I'm doing with uh, Front of the Show Hotodago is Doom Tusk, <laughs> which somehow works sometimes, but you have to go that super aggro. And you have to hope either you win duo against their tri lane or they don't tri lane against you. Or you just you just do nothing for the first fifteen or twenty minutes. Yeah. It just it just seems like a bad like solo offlaners just get fucked these days. It's the position I'd re- I'd least like to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I would I would so much rather be the support who keeps getting ganked by their spirit breaker and queen of pain. <laughs> nope, I'll take that over just I'm having just to sitting. nothing. Yeah, like oh, let me find a safe spot in the woods to sit. It's like, for two oh minutes. wait, I'm, I'm like I haven't gotten any last hits because I have to hide from the lane, but I'm full health, and if I get one last hit, I can afford my blank deck. Oh no, I'm dead. No, I'm dead. I've lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Write, write in and let us know if we're just really that shit at off lane. It's very, very mm. possible, but I, I think, I don't know. It's too hard. Make the hard mm-hmm. lane less hard. Yeah. So, Nick, how was your week in Dota? It's uh, It's been fine. It's been good. Uh, I, was, I wrote this particular note after playing this game. I played a 70-minute game. I think I was playing... Who was I playing? I was playing a carry, and this was a 70-minute game. We were against a Zeus... And we we took Mega Creeps around like 40, 50 minutes. 
and then nothing happened. <laughs> the Zeus ended up doing like 117,000 damage, and he could just instantly Jeez. clear our waves of mega creeps. And we these are like hard fought mega creeps, us dying to get a Rax every time type of type of game. And man, it just reminded me of like so many games I've played against a sniper or just a team that seems like they have just a bulldozer to clear their base with. And you wonder how, what am I supposed to do? It seems like I've had more of those games more often than I ever have before recently. I'm coming to the realization that high ground is my least favorite part of Dota. It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the situation. Sometimes that's the most fun. And then I think there's two kinds. Sometimes it's a super fun kind where it's like, okay, uh, like maybe I'm playing Evoker. Time to get super twitchy and like try to, you know, take my weights off and make some sort of play here so that we can win the game. And then there's the long, slow siege where it's like, who's going to get more bored of this video game first and be like, fuck it, let's like try this thing. And then if we lose, I don't even care anymore. This is too long of a video game of monotony. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those those long drawn out stuff, that is just soul crushing. At, at least the pub level. Sometimes it's more interesting at pro level if that ends up happening because, you know, they see advantages more easily and they'll jump on them more easily than us. Mm -hmm. But oh, it sucks. It's so boring. It's like, yeah. what are we even doing here? Why am I staring at this screen? It's very existential. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like this week, and I'm sure I'll I'll shake it off. But like my week in Dota has been me wondering if I'm gonna, like, if I'm gonna go into Dota hibernation for a while, because I'm just I'm not having I'm not having very much fun. I'm playing a lot of like I've had a few offlane games, but mostly I've been playing supports and just eating shit because my carries get tilted and make bad decisions. We've we've in the games we've played together the last week or two, we've had a lot of shitheads. We've had a lot say, of shitheads. So many shitheads. It's making it's me wonder if something has happened with my behavior score or something. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I keep getting the reports that are like green across the board. Yeah, you're doing great. Hey, okay. Lots of well, plenty of commands. No reports. You're doing good. But like, I keep getting these. Like, we had this storm spirit. You know, I don't. I don't know. I was gonna say I don't like calling people out, and I don't. But I certainly do it often enough. Um, who was just like. He had, it was weird because for a lot of the game, he had the tone, like he he was speaking with the tone of voice of a person who was being like reasonable and friendly, mm -hmm. but the things he were saying were always so like, just always blaming someone else for something <laughs> he just fucked up. Yeah. Um, just very casually, like, ah, nice of our, what, I don't I was playing Carrie, I think, nice of our asshole CK you know, not join us there. And he's a mm -hmm. storm spirit who just zipped across a quarter of the map, and it's just like, you just got to shake your head at those points. Like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Come on. It's. I'll even say that in chat now. I'll just turn on my voice being like, man, what do you mean? I'm trying over here. I'm just incredulous at the the number of those kind of people we've had recently. It's a shame. Just these, you know, these people who, who either make a mistake and just like, yeah, whether like whether it was literally like possible within the game of Dota <laughs> for you to reach them to help blame yep. you. Or like, you know, we had that, we had that, I don't know, that was a couple of games ago, a couple of, like, I don't know, maybe even a full week ago at this point, but there was like, our, our, like, three members of our team smoked when I wasn't there, and I was like, like, I'm coming for smoke, and they smoked without me, and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll play some wards, and I'll do a little farming, 
And then they got in a fight, like, by their enemy, like, the bottom tier two of the enemy, and all got murdered, and, and like, pinging me, like, why weren't you there? It's like, well, I told you to wait for me to smoke with you, and you didn't, and I'm a position five. I would give you away and also get instantly murdered. Yep. What, I what do you that. want from me? Um, <sighs> yeah, so, th- this week we're in a Dota slump. The Fortnite of Dota slump. Yeah, I wonder if I need to play more solo queue. Um, that's one interesting thing, is if you look at my, uh, Dota buff, and this has been true for a while, but if you look at my Dota buff, it's like, oh, okay, like, solo queue, solo queue, party queue, party queue, solo queue, solo queue, solo queue. These are all party queue. Just Dota buff is tracking really? badly. It's Really? I am I am playing so few solo queue games, and it is not marking them as party queue. That is really weird. I didn't know that. I was wondering what you put on here. Hmm. Ah, yeah, I thought that was a problem with everybody. Maybe it's just maybe it's just me. But yeah, <laughs> Well, I just probably haven't noticed it. Yeah. Yeah. It is I've, not I've properly noted. So when little it stacks. solo queue recently too. I don't know. I need to. I need to find the try hard ember within me again, or just the the drive to play solo queue. Or maybe I don't need to find it. <laughs> it's just yeah. so much more fun on average to play on your own. Like, so here's here's an unplanned topic. Um, there's a part of me that's wondering if I should take like I'll keep like keep an eye on the news and stuff. But, like, take a little break from Dota and play another competitive game or MOBA or something, and then mm. come back with a renewed appreciation? Because I feel like I'm not appreciating Dota right now. Hmm. You yeah. know? That's fair. Or uh, even, not just beyond appreciation, just being able to understand what Dota is, I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. it's the main game I play. It's I was playing Overwatch a little bit more recently with uh, my younger brother and friend of the show, Mr. Blue. We've been playing. He's been on an Overwatch kick. And so I, I've joined him and also Dave, Caleb. Uh, and that's been fun. Maybe maybe I should. Has it? Mm, I was going to say maybe I should play League of Legends. It has actually. Overwatch has been surprisingly fun. I mean. Did, I mean, I ha- never played as seriously as you did. I know when Mercy got nerfs, you, you were very, you took it hard. You took it I took heart. it. I took it pretty. I mean, like that's the you know as as. Hmm. <laughs> it's the problem with Overwatch to me. One of the problems is it's like in Dota, I I I am not a one hero specialist. I maybe play uh, have a smaller pool than I used to because there's more that I tend towards. Thank you, mm-hmm. Dota Plus and Hero Mastery. <laughs> Um, but like, I have a decent variety that I'll pick. Um, because there's like, there's the MOBA skill set, and they're like variations of the MOBA skill set, but I feel like it comes down to like, like, time your, time your skills well, have good positioning, have good like, understanding of when to fight and when not to, and, and stuff like this, right? The vision mm-hmm. game. And these are like universal concepts, and heroes apply them differently, but they all have them. Mm-hmm. And that's not true in Overwatch. There are heroes who just are based on, like, like okay, there is... What's a good example? There's, like, Farah, right? Who's, like, jetpack and rocket launcher, right? RPG girl. And I just don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> I don't give a single shit. Like, playing that holds zero interest for me. And that's true of most of the cast. It's like, I was a Mercy main partially because I didn't enjoy playing most of the characters in that game i just don't find them fun hmm. that's interesting yeah i'll swap around i mean i only play a few in overwatch mostly because i'm very bad <laughs> but i find a general spattering of like i'll play mercy and then i'll play Faria. some games some games i'll mm-hmm. switch 
that's probably just because I'm bad, but I'm at the lowest, lowest level of Overwatch. Also, the other problem is that I was taking it, as you say, I was taking it pretty seriously. I was playing, I was playing Overwatch the same way I would play Dota. Let's put it that way. I see. I see. Yeah, that's definitely the opposite of how I'm playing at the moment. I mean, if nothing else, I don't think the game is well balanced enough for me to take it that seriously. Yeah, I wonder I need about to, that. Yeah, the, the balance of I think I think I have been on the record as saying that over like Blizzard balance is not for game balance, but for community happiness, and I think that's fucking stupid. <laughs> I think community happiness should stem from game balance. Or community I mean, unhappiness. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I think that's never going to happen. Like, I mean, if you've got a game with real competitive depth, like, you're always going to have problems like, like. Like IO. Right, like IO, or like, like on the other end the of the age spectrum. Old mismatch like a, of our skill level versus skill ceiling on a hero. Bloodseeker, Tinker, like these heroes that are just like, no, at, at low skill, they're just kind of hard to stop. Um, I think you've got to have some. You gotta have some oscillation in there. Like you, you try to overall balance, and then you say, you know, you try to balance based on data. Ice Rug looks at Dat Dota. He looks at Dota Buff. He even says, "Okay, what's going on here? We need to flatten this shit out. Why is Radiant so good? Let's put put a new stairs in here." Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "Hmm, you know, I'm seeing a lot of this. I'm seeing a lot of stompy behavior, and this can also be classified with data and stuff too. But I'm seeing a lot of stompy behavior from Tinkers. I'm seeing Necrophos has been just freaking on people for months. Let's just give him a nerf because you know you gotta you gotta add some spice, shake it up. Mm-hmm. I think you, there's a happy balance you have to strike. And it's weird with with Overwatch and also in any Blizzard game that's competitive. Because, well, I guess less StarCraft, in my in my knowledge. I guess I don't know as well. But, like, they don't balance, like, I, I feel like there are two attitudes that make sense. You can balance for the pros, so the game is best balanced at the highest level, and then below that people suffer a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can balance for the average player, and the pros are going to suffer a little bit. Overwatch doesn't do either of those. <laughs> Overwatch balances for people on the forums who complain. Like, it doesn't, I do, I honestly, I honestly don't think they balance based on the numbers. They balance based on how much people are yelling. And that's a horrible, horrible way to balance your game. It's super bad. And it's like, it makes sense that's the way they do it because all they give a shit about is selling as many copies as they can, right? Like, but I feel like it means that they don't have a lot of pride in the game. In a way, like they have pride in their art. They have pride in, even though sometimes they shouldn't, um, they have pride in like their messaging and stuff. But they're like, I can't imagine they have pride in their balance team because their balance team does a shit fucking job. Yeah. I don't know. This is this is an unrelated rant. I'm sorry to go off <laughs> on a tangent, but. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally know what you mean, though. Mm. I uh, I wonder how I would view Dota if I if I had a longer term hibernation from it i wonder what things i would would draw my eye more since i i wouldn't because right now like we know of course we don't know everything about dota you learn a new thing about dota every week basically it's like are you serious this works that way but in terms of overall game structure it's it's pretty vanilla to us by now sure yeah and it's 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 interesting how much like also we learn a lot from like pro matches, right? Yeah. 
and I don't feel like I learn anything from... I've tried a few times to watch Overwatch Pro matches. I don't learn shit. I need to give that another... I heard the Owl, the what is it, Overwatch League, right? Owl, yeah. I've yeah. heard people liked that. I don't know. I've... I've always found FPSs to be a bad watching experience. Yeah, I don't know if I've given it a long enough shot shot of my attention span. Like, I think I've watched like five to ten minutes. May I I should? Sounds like you're ready to render a judgment on the entire thing. (laughs) Yeah, five to ten minutes. That's fine. Five to ten minutes of our podcast, you'd get into like just the tail end of our meme talk today. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I need I need to watch it some more because I hear a lot of people like it who don't even play the game or like it's mm-hmm. they've the production value has managed to make up for the shortcomings in watching an fps and i feel like because overwatch has a little bit you know it has it's got a few more bells and whistles than a typical you know csgo match or something then maybe it could be kept interesting and maybe if blizzard has good production value that isn't like league's seemingly fake production value a lot of the time maybe mm-hmm. i would like it Nick, while we're while we're solving things, right? Mm-hmm. While we're t- explaining to Blizzard how they can fix Overwatch, <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about how uh, Eternal Envy and Nahas are fixing best of one eliminations? They are, yeah. So I mentioned earlier this was yeah. Liquid had a thirteen tournament streak in which they were in the top four, and that includes TI. So they've been they've been on a tear. They're the world champions, and we keep calling on that for a reason. They were knocked out of Jack in a best of one. And EE was unhappy about that. He's been unhappy about best of ones, you know, just generally. But he's been more active on Twitter lately about how unhappy he was with certain aspects of the DAC format. And Nahaz being, you know, a more a more realistic or a less player-focused, you know, person in his mind, he's been replying with, well, yeah. That would be nice if we could have best of sevens for everything, but there's just too many games. And so now they've been going back and forth, having a surprisingly constructive conversation on what kind of format would work to have a both reasonable amount of games so that the event isn't ridiculously long, but also having a an optimal fairness for teams being knocked out. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that they're willing to come together on this, and I, I want to like, so like, I don't have any ill will towards either side. I think it's good that they're hashing things out. But I'm super with EE. Best of ones are fucking trash. <laughs> yeah. It was one, like, this is not a new debate by any stretch of the imagination. However, the fact that Liquid was knocked out in the best of one, that's that's kind of sad. But t- Envy tweeted, like, listen, Dota's a strategical game. You gotta, like, just basing it off of one game that doesn't that doesn't tell you how, like the skill of the teams is and mm-hmm. i think it's it's too big of a feature of dota 2 is the strategy of like not only just the draft that's like a huge part of the strategy but also how you play the draft is part of your strategy and if you get i don't know i don't think that just one roll of the dice on that is enough to knock people out it's not enough to show supremacy in a yeah. an interesting enough way because of course even you know even like something that barely has any RNG or it that barely has any strategy and is almost purely RNG, you'd get the most fair result if you do it a billion times. It's about finding a balance between, okay, how much, how much time will people watch this first of all, versus how much time do we have to actually hold these things at the event? And then 
how much is quote unquote fair, which doesn't mean really anything. You just kind of have to decide on that. But mm -hmm. if you think a best of one between two teams actually shows their skill, uh, <laughs> fight with me, fight me. You know what I'm realizing? There's a, hmm. I don't even know that you'll know what I mean when I say this. I know, I mm. guess you will. This concept exists elsewhere. There are no show matches in Dota. Meaning just like t uh, matches between two teams? Right. Like there's, there's fun? never, there's never, well, I mean, like you could do it for a prize. That'd be super doable, but there's never like, okay, on like, on March 31st, EG and Optic Gaming mm. are going to play, you know, a best of seven. And that's that. There's no tournament around them. They're just going to come together and play. And the winner hmm. gets a prize. And, like, it's why interesting to think about. Why don't we have those? I don't know. Because like, one of my favorite things in fighting games. That would be... Hmm. They're so interesting because it's like, okay, the, the players aren't going to get that tired because that's they're playing one set. And maybe it's a long set, but they don't have other things coming after it. And it, it's not it's not that big a deal, right? Uh, it's a commitment for a day. It lets you play up but... like the personality part, which is so integral to like invitations to events, anyways. But it's 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 lower stakes in a way, and you can but play not up in, like, rivalries and way. stuff. Yeah, like imagine imagine if back in the day it was sort of like oh like it's time for the like the spring twenty seventeen El Clasico. <laughs> it's a best of seven between between Navi and Alliance. And they're yeah. just, they're gonna, it's a day and like everyone's gonna come out, buy some popcorn, watch these <laughs> two teams with a lot of history, just go at it. And then everybody goes home. Huh, I wonder. I mean, maybe it's just because teams are generally not co-located close enough. I'm mm. sure you could find some that are, but. Yeah. Because you, it, to have it be done online is not great. But yeah, I, I was wonder. I was thinking about it because I was thinking about like, um, what I was, when I was thinking, we were thinking about the best of ones. And I was thinking about how, like, I remember the first year that Navi, like, one of the first years that Navi barely made it into TI, and they were in mm -hmm. a best of one and got eliminated. And that year, like, listen, they weren't one of the best teams there, <laughs> but I felt like they had that they had a chance to to push through a little further. Yeah. But the Navi at the time, like, even at the time, was a team that does better in set play. Yeah. They're not a best of one kind of team. They're a team that kind of experiments and figures out what they're doing. Um, yeah. and in fighting games, there are players like, you know, the name Daigo. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's Daigo Umahara, who's like a, like veteran famous player who used to be, uh, the best street fighter player in the world. Now he's, <laughs> now he's, he's older now, right? He's kind of <laughs> aged out of it. He still competes, but he doesn't win tournaments anymore. You're not going to see him in a top eight, right? Mm -hmm. Usually, I guess occasionally you will, but he is still basically like the best in the world at sh at set play at pro matches or not hmm. pro matches show matches because he just like he's like okay i've got this match coming up i've got a first to 10 against like a recent instance was tokido right who's an incredibly good player one of the, probably the best in the world right now he's like okay i have a month to get ready for this fight and i'm just going to train this one matchup that i know i'm going to have to deal with hmm so what are and these he show matches like like, where are they? Um, like, but it depends, really. Like, sometimes <laughs> it's like, sometimes it's at like, like, you know, a popular arcade that people go to for fighting games. Some, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, very often, or like an event. Or sometimes they're like a sideshow to a tournament, right? Hmm. 
sort of like, oh, you know, these two came for this tournament, but on a on a separate day or, you know, like with fighting games, because it's so much of a less time commitment, they can afford yeah. to do this. But it's like, oh, these two came to another one that was recent that I was thinking about was Sonic for Sonic Fox versus Apology Man, which is like Sonic Fox is the best Dragon Ball fighter in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And Apology Man is not. He's getting there. He's working on it. But it was like, okay, these two are going to take some time, and they're going to play a first to ten. They're going to play, and whoever gets ten wins first. And it was fascinating to see how that match evolved. Hmm. Yeah. Because they just yeah, sat yeah, down and just... Because, like, at one point, the score was eight to one. <laughs> and then Apology Man won four straight. He hmm. still lost overall, but, like, there's this moment of, like, you saw him it's figure it out. You see the evolution of the matchup. And I just, I really want to get that from Dota. <laughs> yeah, I've, nev- I've literally never thought about it before. I-, I wonder how the logistics of that would work. Like, could you get people to come to a physical location to see a match between two or four teams? And I mean, do you need to? You could still do it. You could do it via the net. Or even online. Yeah, now that I think about it. I feel like I'm, there I'm, is a problem I'm surprised with people. BTS, yeah. it seems right up BTS's alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, to right. invite two pe- two teams down, you know, fly them down to LA or wherever their house is, and have them do a show match. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just not. Well, for one thing, pros are so fucking busy these days with the new DBC. But I wonder if it's hmm, if it's just not interesting enough. But I don't. I don't know if it would be interesting or not. I don't know. It's a. It's a good idea. Pitch it to BTS. Huh. The Bottle Crow show match. That would be that would that would be something. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. Anyway, best of one suck. Yep. <laughs> also, by the way, uh, fun fact: uh, this one is on me. It's mostly on six. No, it's not on six. No, it's on me. Bottle Crow was not following a Turtle Envy on Twitter. What a shame. Yeah, I mostly just check the Bottle Crow account to see who's <laughs> tweeted at us. I don't tend to yeah, just like too. browse with it. So. Well, every once in a while I'll switch to it because it's it's following different people because it's like an amalgamation of what Six has followed and then what I will randomly follow sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to see. Yeah. You know what we haven't mentioned? I know you've been waiting for it. What's that, Nick? They call me the butcher. That was in just my left ear. That was very interesting. Yeah, almost all the... Yeah, almost all the Dota clips are mono. But it it's my soundboard. It does it weird. Okay. And that was gonna act, that was gonna be my intro too, before we talked about the memes. Who says, Oh, my name's Six Detmar and something some something I'm Six Detmar. Long. Oh shit. <laughs> that was the long, <laughs> long meme. It's right next to it, I swear to God. It's slash seven long. versus slash Michael eight. Michael Mave That and that was gonna be me. That was gonna be Michael my Michael Mave, the butcher. <laughs> yes. The the Pudrakana, it just got uh, randomly dropped, finally. Uh-huh. It is called the, I think it's called Feast of Obsession. That's at least what the update was called. I don't know why they called it the Feast of, of Obsession update, because it's just the Arcana. But uh, it's, it's here. the only cool thing that happened. Yeah, I guess so. It's uh, it's funky. How do you how do you feel about it? Basically, Pudge is now Kerrigan from StarCraft, but fat, right? And with hooks uh, instead yeah, of snakes or with, whatever, and with more of like a more of like a, a not metal. that word. That's not the word I want. More metal. Well, 
more of like a gory kind of angle because like that like it's like instead of being like his talons they're just like chains that have like infested his body or some gross shit it's it fits very well yeah yeah pretty nasty i don't know i think there are some details about it that i think are really neat like i like that there are different alt animations based on whether you have aether lens or not Mm -hmm. um and i i like some of the ideas i don't know i Part of the reason I wanted a Rubik Arcana over a Pudge Arcana was I was just like, whatever they do with Pudge is going to be fucking boring. <laughs> um, and this is better than I expected, I guess, but I still don't really care for it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It, it puts some glowy hooks on his back. He's got a cool haste animation. And he, like, lopes around now. Um, the special feature of this, I guess, is that there's a hook streak counter for how many hooks successfully hit a hero. And unless they've patched this, however, there's a there's a weird thing where, I mean, if you hook an illusion, it's not a hero, right? So it resets your counter. And so you immediately know it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. And I hope they've patched this out and I'm just wrong. But that's that's not cool. you got to fix that. And then it gives this fancy animation to his ult, which is honestly a little... It's a little over the top <laughs> for me. Because previously, Pudge's ult animation was like, he he pulls you towards him, but it's his arms like doing some motions, right? And now you've mm-hmm. got spawning all around this hero in an AOE, which like includes past them and just in a circle around them, are all these chains that come up from the ground and like stab them. And it's very gruesome and it's I really like the animation. But boy is that I'm gonna lose myself in a team fight because of this thing. Uh I feel like we I feel like every time we say that that's not the case. No, I feel like, this one felt a little over the top for me. Normally, it's you not liking that, but that's true. That's true. This time, I don't know. It adds a lot of shit going on in the screen. I agree with you, but yeah, like basically, that's that's why. Like, I I am sort of like, well, my instinct is always wrong, and it's fine. So I'll just assume it's gonna be fine. Um, mm-hmm. mm. It is it is pretty intense though. <laughs> it is. But I like that it has different, you know, particles based on the hero you you get stuck in there. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So here's something uh quick quick like mini lore of the week. <laughs> the lore of this thing's actually really cool. Really? I don't uh-huh. maybe I didn't look at it. So basically the the story is that like they like um this this priestess formed, forged some unbreakable, like, chains and hooks mm-hmm. to restrain, like, servants of the dead god that were too powerful to kill. Like, they couldn't possibly kill them. Which, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not up on your lore, the dead god is who Undying worships. Um, and basically, like, the corruption of those, of those monsters was, like, so much that over time their, like, corrupting, like, magics, like, seeped through the chains and now the chains have a will of their own. Mm-hmm. And are also mm-hmm. servants of the Dev God. It's kind of neat. I think it's a neat idea. That's cool. So they did a good work with that. And apparently, yes, you have to win a game against a Rubik twelve times <laughs> because you know he won the Arcana vote against Rubik, and then you get a green version of the set, the Grand mm-hmm. Obsession. I see. Yeah, I kind of, I actually. I like the idea of there being some feud with Rubik, but I actually think it's <laughs> kind of... I, I don't like that it's like this. What I would do, what I would have done, is like there's some special interaction with when Rubik steals it. Hmm. I think that would he, be neat. He actually has a shit ton of new voice lines, though. 
uh, Pudge. Yeah, like especially uh, versus uh, Rubik, because this adds a new voice pack to him, just like it did for Jug. Mm -hmm. So there's there's lots of new responses between them, at least. Hmm. That is interesting. All right. Well, that's the Pudge Arcana. Uh, here, okay. Here's a question. So last last time that there was an Arcana vote, Juggernaut won, right? Mm -hmm. And then they threw in an IO Arcana layer. <laughs> do you think they're going to do a, a Rubik Arcana because it was so close and people wanted it so bad? I, I, I will. I would say yes, but it's Valve. Yes, but Valve. YBV. Your Valve may vary. I think it would be smart of them because I'm sure it's just printing money compared to the cost of actually paying an artist and I guess maybe paying the voice actor for Rubik, but you never know with Valve. I I would buy it. <laughs> like <laughs> I am pretty sure I would buy the Pudge Arcana or the not huh. the, the Rubik Arcana. The Rubik I did Arcana. not buy the Pudge one. I mean yeah, come on, Nick, we've had the conversation before. There are three Arcana I don't own. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's the Techies one, there's this new Pudge one. And then there is uh, the Monkey King one because I think it makes Monkey King mm. look worse, not better. Yeah, but like yeah, I, I think I have the Monkey Arcana. King and the PA one. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted the Monkey King terrain too. So I'm like, okay, the CM one's really good. Oh, that's true. It does look good. I mean, a puppy, a puppy man. A puppy. You can't buy that shit. That's also it. also she floats and shit snowflakes. No, perfect, perfect. All right, Nick. What happened to Noob from UA? I heard there was some some kerfuffle. Yes, it's uh, it's very important. We should spend a lot of time talking about it because what happened was that Noob from UA was banned from YouTube, or his channel was shut down because PGL made copyright claims on his videos because he was using their their caster audio and like their segments and content. Mm -hmm. And then he got banned. And then people complained, like, but where can I find highlights? And then PGL started posting decent highlights with their caster audio. Mm -hmm. And now... So it turns out you can't unbanned. steal people's stuff. No, he's unbanned. He's, he's back. Oh, good. I, yeah. Maybe, I guess. <laughs> I mean, so I don't... So what, what ended up happening is now in all the uh, about sections for videos, it says commentary by and has links to the people who did commentary. Really? His videos mm -hmm. are back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. I mean, it was wait, well. What major was it that people were doing this for? Uh, was it was he doing it for? It wasn't Katowice, right? Oh, damn it! You just did that. <laughs> you just you just did that for that. You didn't even have a reason. Katowice was so long ago. One one minute fifteen seconds. It was it uh, liquid PGL. It was a PGL thing. Yeah, but did PGL do DAC or? Maybe because I think they partner with Perfect World. What I know is that is that uh, DAC videos are back up. Hmm, okay, I don't know. Well, if then they, the ones they must have worked out some sort of monetization thing then. Mm. Yeah, no, PGL did cover DAC. That's right. So I, I assume they must have just worked it out. Yep, that's what I didn't think they were because you don't generally work out things with people who are still in your content, but he must have enough of a following that it's worth it. Even though he's, he was kind of scummy and that he was actually stealing their stuff. And like, this is one of the things valve said you couldn't do. Yeah. It must just be worth it for them to have him put up the videos and take a small cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's too bad. I, I mean, I, it's one of those things where I feel weird about it because like, I mean, you know what he's doing, he's stealing their content, right? 
And like yeah. I I agree with Valve on this one. I don't think you should be able to do what he's done. Yeah. But also, it's really convenient and handy, and no one else does a good job of it. I guess, yeah, as you say, PGL started to that. step up. Yeah, but. but I think immediately, like, PGL started posting better highlights. And I, I'm all for better highlights, because I also don't have the time to watch every single game. But sometimes mm-hmm. there's some banging games you want to hear about and see. Yep, yep. All right, well, let's just, let's go straight on into Jackie's Chow. Let's do it. talking about this week so this is the long i guess two week awaited uh fat episode nick nick listen i don't like it but you have to at this point this is the long long come on this is the long long woodly awaited segment thank you i cannot believe you let me you you had me do that we had to, like, listen, you to, you've done true. it so many times this episode. <laughs> we got to be at least consistent about it. I can't believe I didn't think about that. I'm just so disappointed in myself. So, yes, we're going to talk about fat. Talk about fat. Let's talk we're about gonna... Faye, baby. Let's talk yeah, about you I and was, me. There was some <laughs> reference that was forming in my mind, and it just it didn't come out. And it just well, Don't worry, mine was yeah. complete garbage. <laughs> Great. So, first off, let's talk about just generally cooking with fats, because... In cooking, salt, fat, acid, and heat are like the main things you you have to have. And then whatever ingredients you actually put in there, of course, matter. But these are like the fundamental basics of stuff that even across cuisines are generally similar in that you use them in this way. Mm -hmm. So first off, in a lot of videos online on YouTube, you'll see these like celebrity chefs and they're cooking in pans. And they'll say, okay, we'll go ahead and throw in some extra virgin olive oil. Or, okay, now we'll go ahead and throw some olive oil in here. And they'll do that when they're searing a steak. They'll say, like, literally extra virgin olive oil into this blazingly hot cast iron pan. And I just want to press them into an oil sometimes. Because, no. I mean, again, none of us... Well, you were somewhat of a cook. I was never a professional cook, really. And so there's there's an element of like home cooking versus restaurant cooking, and we'll mention that later. But there's there's just some facts about the smoke points of oil, how much you can heat up an oil before it starts to break down and cause smoke, which if you're not in a commercial kitchen can be a big deal. Like I'm in an apartment. I really would rather not set off my smoke alarm. It's kind mm-hmm. of a bigger deal than like a commercial kitchen where you're searing stuff. You have a grill all the time. And so you're going to have smoke and that's why you have vent hoods and stuff. Also, it just tastes nasty if you put stuff into burnt oil and mm-hmm. it's, I think definitely less healthy for you too. There's, you know, there's bad stuff that happens turns out when you start to break down oils. And so just, Right off the bat, I want to give you this table I've created of the smoke points of oils. And these are going to vary from oil to oil, and it depends how refined the oil is, but this is going to be the most common smoke points for the oils you'll have. So, regular-ass olive oil, smoke point of about 350 degrees Fahrenheit. That's fine. Like, you can do a lot with that in a pan. 
extra virgin olive oil, please, please don't use this as like your your searing oil, your high temperature frying oil. The smoke point, it really depends on this because these are like more artisanal extra virgin olive oils are a thing that happens more. So they might be more or less refined and you really have no idea. But the smoke point could be in like the 200s of degrees Fahrenheit. And that's just not useful for high temperature stuff. You no. use extra virgin olive oil for the taste, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason like you go through the extra process and the extra expense of having extra virgin olive oil. It's more of a taste kind of oil. Mm-hmm. Next up is canola or rapeseed oil, and that's got a smoke point of like 440. So that's that's a you know a decent candidate. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is peanut oil, and this is great super, frying oil. Yeah, very commonly used. Canola oil you can fry with, but I think it's uh it like break down breaks down more easily, and it just tastes le- worse than peanut oil. Peanut oil mm-hmm. like has a decent taste when you fry stuff in it, and it's got a average smoke point of like 450. Which is perfect for frying stuff. You'll be well within, you know, its safe range. And this is, I'm pretty sure, commonly used in most restaurant fryers. Mm-hmm. Then we got regular old butter. Butter's got a smoke point of like 300. It really depends on the composition. But this is another thing. You never do high temperature stuff with butter. It's, it's just not what it's meant for. However, clarified butter or ghee is like the Indian variant of it. That because you remove all the like the proteins and the milk fats and stuff, you can get a smoke point of like 480. So that can be really good. I never really use clarified butter, but I know it's a common Indian cuisine type thing. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, this is something that I've I've used somewhat. Avocado oil you can get. Sometimes it'll be like super artisanal avocado oil. It's like you know coconut oil and stuff. But if you find legit just like refined avocado oil, it'll have a smoke point of like 520 degrees Fahrenheit. This stuff is the best for searing steaks. This is what I use if I have it on hand for searing steaks in like a cast iron pan. If I'm in like you know, an apartment or somewhere I don't have a vent hood because it just won't smoke at until 520. Mm-hmm. And nice. so I think this is, this is important to keep in mind. Do not use extra virgin olive oil to sear something or saute something. I actually had a moment um not not too long ago where I was getting ready to uh, to cook a a meatloaf, right? A bacon wrapped mm. meatloaf. And I was going to, you know, I was going to bake it in the oven and then also mm. I was going to broil it at the end to give a little nice little bit of sear to the bacon cuz sometimes the bacon doesn't want to like crisp up nicely yeah. when it's wrapped around a meatloaf. So it was like, okay. And I was like, let me just, you know, oil up the pan. And I picked it up and I was like, oh, let me grab the olive oil. And I was like, the fuck am I doing? I can't do this with olive oil. <laughs> I'm going to set it to broil. That shit is going to incinerate. And so I yeah, swapped I, it out for some some uh, canola oil, and it worked out better. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done that before. Like, I've, I've baked something, especially, uh, like, baking or ro- called roasting vegetables, where you just, like, you cut out some veggies, you put them in a bowl, you toss them with some olive oil, salt and pepper, put them in, like, the oven, right? That's great. Mm-hmm. Great way to do veggies. Sometimes, if, like, they weren't extra browned or something or you just want to even make them look good but it'll crisp them up too you want to turn on the boiler for a sec i've definitely caused some smoke that way i was like oh shit i left this for too long for it being you know olive oil Mm -hmm. yeah just just know your oils people it's good know your fats so keep that shit in mind you don't like it is it is a real bummer both for the dealing with the smoke and also yeah for the flavor like when you burn that oil it fucking tastes bad Goes rancid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so not good. Not a good time. Yeah. And then another aspect, there's so much about fat you could talk about, but fat, like you'll hear, especially professional chefs say fat is flavor. Fat equals flavor because that is so true. Like things with more fat taste, taste more and they taste better. There and, is a curve with this, but you know. Yeah, that is just, like if you just eat a spoonful of butter. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah, different. It's it's I, like well, I'm not going to drill on this point, but we've said it enough times that we're saying like, but also if you have like, you know, a cut of meat and you don't trim it at all, that's probably not actually going to be better. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, well, it depends. Sometimes it animal does. fat, like when you sear or roast it, it can be so good. <laughs> like a nice, like some sort of thing on like a New York strip or something. Don't cut the fat off of that, right? It's it's so it, good. Yeah. Like you want to render it for sure. Like stand it mm -hmm. on end when you sear something or on the grill. You want to render it out, but you don't want to cut it off completely. It, it depends on on your cut of steak. I mean, like I've it I've cut I've cut fat off of steaks. I've cut I've like I've had steaks where I cut it off and I got a mouthful of fat and it made me gag. You know? Oh like, yeah. Oh, that's what like the the tough kind of fat. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> you have to actually spit stuff out. Yeah. And so it's it's very very situational. Yeah. But that's why, like, filet mignon, right? It's like oh, the creme de la creme of beef. But it's not really my favorite cut of meat because more marbled steaks or just tougher steaks like, uh, you know, New York Strip even. It's just, it's more flavor. It's more interesting. Mm -hmm. And then magic stuff like sesame oil. Oh, that stuff is, that that's really good. It's really overpowering. Put it in like Chinese, Japanese stuff, and it'll give like a nice sesame aroma, nice sesame kick. Just don't use too much. Chili oil, that is that is the shit. Like uh, yesterday I ate at uh, a kind of like Sichuan restaurant here, and we had some ridiculously spicy food, so it had all sorts of chili oil in it. It's hmm, chili oil is the good stuff. I don't know if you have any uh, any little fat tidbits you'd like to drop, but uh. I mean, like mostly, I feel like my like my cooking tips is just sort of I I think I think you know not that surprising, but like olive oil can be a good dressing to a lot of things that just need a little bit of help. Olive oil mm -hmm. with like a little bit of pepper or something. Yeah. Um, as far as fats, I'm probably more fat phobic than I should be. Um, I don't know, just like the sight of just like like uncooked fat just like makes me want to cut it <laughs> off. I hate it. Um, but kind of a lot of the time you should let it rock and render down. Um, it, it really depends on like with me on the butchering. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. just, uh, and yeah. I guess you, you probably speak to this. The secret of so much restaurant food is butter. So if you're really going to yeah. try to go all out on a meal, if there's low in like dietary restrictions or stuff, just add more butter than you would normally. It's probably going to be better. It's really like. Do you do you want to know the secret? Like, I uh, I had someone, I had a customer when I used to work at a, a bar restaurant, and they're like, I make I make uh you know buffalo wings at home, mm -hmm. and I make them, and they're just never as good as you guys' buffalo wings. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we add butter to the buffalo sauce. That's really the only thing we're doing that you're <laughs> that not. That is literally all you have to do. Oh yeah, like butter the biggest is, thing between magic. professional and home cooking is basically butter and salt. I think. Mm -hmm. That's like yeah. eighty percent of the way there. Yeah, good Put seasoning. Double. Yeah, it's. I. I don't think we could make a full segment out of it, but like, 
literally, there are so many meals that good seasoning is the difference between bland and unbelievable. Just like yeah. the proper level of salt to open up and really reveal the flavor to you. Um, yep. Yeah, when I was learning like to really cook and trying like new things, when I was like, you know, sixteen to now was when I like really started. It's just like, actually, if I sprinkle some salt on this, it's actually good. <laughs> it's a, mm-hmm. Wow, this is entire an entirely different vegetable. When I sprinkle a little bit of salt on this broccoli, turns out it can be tasty. And if you're in doubt as to what to do with a vegetable, oil, determine salt, if it, yeah, determine <laughs> determine if it needs olive oil, salt, and pepper, or if you could cook it with a little butter. One yeah. of these two things will probably help. <laughs> It will. People will actually eat vegetables. It turns out if you season them and put some fat. You just you like you roast some broccolini with just olive oil and pepper, and it's fucking good. It's great. It's so good. It's very easy. Highly recommend. So thank you so much for this for this lesson on on oils and and fats and proper cooking. Indeed. Happy uh happy happy fat. Happy feast of Wintervale. Happy. That's a World of Warcraft thing. Thanks, no. everybody. Uh, I'm going to do do the sign-off shit now. So a big thank you to uh, Jeffrey Bryce, a.k.a. Pomodi, who made the Highlander Music Pack, which is our intro and outro here on the show. Previously made the Harmonies of New Bloom, which we used. And uh, if you want to help the Highlander Music Pack get into Dota 2, you can find it on the Dota 2 Workshop. We'll have a link down in the show notes below. I also want to give a thank you to Ashley Ryan, a.k.a. Spimby, who did our art for the podcast. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to me for being good at podcasts. <laughs> I want to give a big thank you to Nick for being good at Dota, and both of us to running the Dota 2 Bottle Crow Twitter, which is at Bottle Crow on Twitter. Messages or comments, you can send them there. Uh, I think that's about it for for signy shit, right? Yeah, that was great. You did it. You know. Holy cow. I'm, I'm looking at Audacity. We've been recording for an hour and 30 uh-huh. It's yeah, almost like there's some, uh... yeah, there some other topics on the notes that I completely <laughs> skated past because I noticed how long it was. I didn't realize we had such a long, long... show. You know what's happening right now. <laughs> All right, peace. <laughs>